it's so great to talk with you. I feel like I've known of your work, I've seen your work, I've heard your work, and yet I, didn't re I never really realized for the probably the first few years that you're on the other side of the earth. You're based in Copenhagen, is that right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I live in Copenhagen, Denmark. And where did you grow up originally? I grew up in Denmark, so I've, okay. I'm born in Copenhagen, and then, then um, yeah, I I I've lived here all my life. But then, during the, I mean, the last ten years, I've been traveling, yeah, quite a lot. I I really like working on international productions, and and nowadays because of the internet and like sending files back and forth and so on, then everything is becoming much more easy to like to. Uh, work with people on the other side of the globe so that's really great and, and i guess you got your start at the danish film school so what was that like for you i mean i'm not really familiar with that school or, or their program but for you i guess like there was a fiction and a documentary department so for you as a sound student where did you find yourself or what does you appreciate just about having exposure to both sides of of filmmaking it was really great at the Danish Film School because exactly as you say that there were both like a fiction department and a documentary department and we were doing sound design for both. So it was a great way of kind of of learning how those two things aren't really that far apart and mm -hmm. how much how much you can do as a sound designer. Uh, also in documentaries. I mean, um, so, I mean, during the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, there's really been this development of documentaries where there's much more focus on, like, all the the filmic qualities of documentaries, like sound and music and visuals and picture editing. So the documentaries are really changing now and um, it's a great time for for doing sound design for documentaries i mean it's uh, turning into a playground for sound hmm. i mean you know growing up in copenhagen and going to college in that area like what in your mind i would think oh well you know i want to go to la i want to go to the us i want to i want to be working in uh, in Hollywood, I want to be, you know, amongst the studios, and but yet you've had an uh, incredible career by creating your home in your in where you grew up, where you're from, and how would you describe just the work? Because you've managed to work in between uh, both titles that are, you know, non-English speaking um, titles and also in the American titles. So. What was that kind of dance like initially of kind of establishing yourself? Because a lot of it, I think, I look back at your your early work, and a lot of it was not American titles necessarily. Is that right? Exactly. But then during, I mean, during the last ten years, fifteen years, there's been more and more focus on Danish and Scandinavian movies. So mm -hmm. there's been much more international interest. And I mean, I remember like vividly getting my first offer for an, an American film, like a US indie film, and getting that on Twitter. And I was thinking, wow, how how did you ever hear about me? I mean, <laughs> how is that possible? And then 
it's because they saw some of my work on iTunes. So oh, wow. that that whole digital distribution now means that our movies are traveling much more now than they did like 10, 15 years ago. So suddenly you you're able to get hold of like films from around the world and uh, then things have just like kept growing in a really great way and I'm really privileged to work with a lot of great filmmakers from around the world. I mean, I, and I, it's a small yeah. it's a small community like yeah. you kind of people know each other some people suddenly then recommend me to someone else and then we meet and I mean yeah that's uh, that's so great. So right now you're talking out of your home studio and, and I imagine you must do a lot of work there but What's kind of the mixture of, of work that you do out of your own home studio? And then if you're working on, if you need to be on a mixed stage or if you need to be in a larger studio, like where, what is your go-to? Where do you tend to bring your work? Um, I, I've got my own studio. It's not at home. It's, okay. I mean, it's a 7.1 studio with a big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a joy being here, but for sure, like when... I'm mixing, then I'm going to mixing stages, like both here in Denmark, also around Scandinavia and in the US. So uh, um, here in Denmark, we have a, 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 a quite, I mean, there's the, the film business is doing good. So there's mm-hmm. like five, six really good stages, mixing stages in Copenhagen. And mm-hmm. actually even two, Dolby Atmos stages. So mm-hmm. I've also been mixing in Dolby Atmos here in Copenhagen. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember when I think the Dolby Atmos stage was built, it was like, it was like, wait a second, we can now actually start servicing a larger audience of, of filmmakers because of that ability. I mean, maybe can you talk about the fact that I think you had, you were working and kind of offering one of the first Atmos stages in the region. What was that like to, to start working in the in, in that in that respect it was really amazing i mean working in atmos is like a revelation like the way that you're surrounded by sound and it has this amazing clarity and it's really like putting you in the middle of all the detail i mean i'm i'm a sucker for texture and sound okay and in atmos then the clarity and the amount of textures that you can place around the audience is really amazing so yeah yeah, i did um uh, i've done now three projects in atmos and i'm doing another one in august so um and actually it looks like i I, i'm doing a documentary in dolby atmos early next year early next year so yeah things are really happening and it's uh it's uh, great to feel how filmmakers are getting more and more interested in this uh, format. I mean, also in Denmark, where I mean, the films that I've been doing here are mostly not like big action movies. Sure, um, it's more like drama. So, but but still, what you can do with sound is just amazing in Atmos, and it's actually maybe even more amazing in quiet, more quiet movies because mm. suddenly you can feel and hear all the details, which I really love. I was going to ask you because I'm just looking at like the most recently you've taken on in the past few years the role of being a a sound supervising sound editor and it seems to me that the progression of your career has been one that you you know you you had a 
you know, sound basically from a, a sound designer, re-recording mixer, or even a production sound mixer. I mean, I look at your credits, and you—it's—it's you, it's a just a cross section of every kind of thing in between. Is that a factor because of being based where you're at that you have more opportunity? I mean, is do you find that there's maybe less competition? Does that like what's what's the the case? Like, how, how have you been able to kind of stay? Um, so act so active and so busy. I mean, often in the U.S., there's more of a like a kind of a. Um, I mean, in your, at least in the older days of Hollywood, you were like either a supervising sound editor or you were a mixer. I mean, you right. couldn't do both. And I mean, now things are becoming more blurred, which I really like. And yeah. that I mean, in Denmark, it's been like that all the time because you couldn't really have like uh people who were only mixers there's i mean the market is too small for that so you i mean i've been used to mixing my own things and um i've been learning a lot from that and the things that i then uh learn from the mix i can use that in when i'm mm. sound editing but also because i'm 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 doing a lot of sound editing. I'm also a better mixer, I think. So right. so you learn things that way. And I really like kind of going back and forth between doing the different things. It's also great to, on Generation Wealth, I, I was the supervisor and the sound designer, but Pete Horner was the mixer. So mm. then I'm sitting next to Pete and listening to how he how he works with my sound and that's great as well i mean this feeling of someone interpreting your work mm -hmm. and doing a great work just like finding his way around it mm -hmm. and um, um the thing about like pete and me is that we are we both have a musical background right so we we both really approach sound design as something that's very musical and the more that the sounds are used in a musical way the better we like them that's a really good point because i guess i definitely want to talk about generation wealth which is your most more recent project even though it did come out in january it's coming out in theaters pretty soon here and um i just find the fact that I look at once again. I look at your credits, and I say in, in the past in 2017 you had something something close to like 13 projects, and this year you have 10 or so. And it just seems when I, when I go back and I look, and it's just like, you know, there's been an explosion of work that you've you've had your involvement in, and then also the fact is, is that every project I think in the past, at least definitely in this year, and, and maybe even last year. Uh, a lot of them are documentary, but you have been the sound designer, you're the supervising sound editor, and the re-recording mixer. To me, it just seems like if there's any time for you to step up and to take on more responsibility and have more creative input, it seems like now is the time. So, I mean, it's to me, it's what what was different because I definitely see like in 2017, um, one of the bigger projects was this, the Bill Nye Science Guy documentary project. I mean, was there a, an obvious point, an indicator? Uh, in the past few years where it was you could see your own evolution kind of shift and, and of, with like responsibilities and the projects you're working on it kind of feels like a very kind of natural development in yeah. a way and um, I mean 
I'm not really the kind of guy who sits down and look at my credits and think, okay, how are things developing? <laughs> well, I am it, because it, it's, it's, <laughs> but I, yeah, but I agree. It, yeah, it it become it's it's something that's just like happening like yeah. naturally, and the thing is that one of the methods I'm I'm really using when I'm working on a project is to be part of the project very, very early. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually on fiction films, I'm part of the film already on the script stage. Yeah. And when I'm doing a documentary, I'm part of it like already when they're shooting the film so that we can talk about, okay, how should the sound be part of the the whole language of the film i mean and that's something that you should also think about when you're shooting the film i mm-hmm. mean that's that kind of um in integrated use of sound is very important i think so a lot of these projects i'm involved in for several years mm-hmm. so it's just like a natural kind of progression that suddenly like some of these projects blow up big and some are smaller uh, but I like that kind of uh, constant contrast between like doing doing a documentary and then I mean right now I'm working on this um, Danish fantasy film Wild Witch, which is almost like a, hmm. a, a a Scandinavian Harry Potter film or something okay. like that. So it's very very different from doing something like Generation Wealth, but that kind of dynamic is really amazing and so inspiring. Do you find that, like, is there a, a shift in your mind creatively between the difference of work doing on sound for a documentary film versus, uh, you know, a narrative fiction film? Like, is there something about kind of the rules that apply? Because, like, like in a film like uh, Generation Wealth or the, uh, the Queen of Versailles, like, to me, there's only so many opportunities in a documentary film to do kind of creative, fanciful sound design it's just like what things do you really enjoy about documentary filmmaking when it comes to the sound work you do and what things do you find that you just you find other outlets that are not in documentaries like what what to you is that kind of that relationship that you have when it comes to the type of sound design that you can usually get away with in documentary films or in in you know fiction films i actually um approach them quite the same in a way like i'm really trying to find out like the sonic identity of each film that i do and um then i um i mean i start out always for each project collecting sounds just Mm. like really getting hold of a lot of sounds so no matter if it's a fiction film or a documentary then really like creating a big library of fresh sounds for the film so for a film like generation wealth which takes place all over the world i mean there's parts of it in the u.s but there's mm-hmm. also like in brazil and china and mm-hmm. russia and all over europe i spend quite a lot of time like just getting hold of ambiences from around the world mm. and then just recording new sounds like for me, an uh, an important element of of generation wealth is um, um, uh, Lauren Greenfield, the director, is a photographer, and a lot of the material is actually still images that she's been shooting during the last few years, mm-hmm. and um, her camera. I mean, just recording her camera and recording different cameras 
her old cameras also like and her, the all the technology in her photo lab all these things so that every sound is actually like one of the right camera for the right moment that's clicking so um spending time on that like being very kind of um um i mean being very precise about the choice of sounds but then also for generation wealth there's all these still images which didn't have any sound so i had to find out okay what sound should these images have i mean how do we kind of treat these images so for me that was pure sound design like trying to develop this language for all these still images and trying to find out okay in some moments often we like in some moments being very minimal in other moments like being having quite a lot of sound but that took a, took a lot of experimentation and playing around with things mm-hmm. but when you see the film it should feel like natural it should feel like oh this is just how it was i mean maybe lauren even brought a recorder to this when she was mm-hmm. taking these still images but i mean all those sounds were built up and constructed and and uh, in uh, for me it was also important that those sounds really worked together with the music um the composer jeff beale who also did like house of cards yeah jeff is fantastic stuff like that. incredibly talented. yeah jeff is yeah. really really great and he did this terrific score and I, I often in the film i built my sounds around the music mm-hmm. to make them as musical as possible to kind of get this feeling that like what what you're experiencing is almost like one big piece of music mm. so i cut in my sound effects in the rhythm of jeff's music and i pitched my sounds so that they fit with the the tone of jeff's music mm. so there's several places in the film where it's it's hard to hear okay what is actual music and what is sound design and i mm-hmm. that's something i really love in sound so in that regard i mean there's lots of creative things and decisions and work and experimentation to be done on a documentary. But at the same time, we're also kind of working with something where you need to find an identity of for the sound that fits with the images. And uh, this is not a film where you should be like super upfront in your face all the time it's mm-hmm. much more a question of supporting the story supporting the characters um making you i mean guiding the viewer to understand this quite complex story and then also have there's this development in the film where you go from something that's um i mean there's many different layers to the story yeah. it's it's um i mean it's this portrait of several different people and the whole society's focus on wealth but then towards the end of the film it becomes more and more personal so it also becomes more and more intimate sonically so just taking away sounds and then suddenly arriving at this fragile more poetic place with the sound um, that's something that i mean that that we also spend a lot of time on developing yeah, I, I look at also just the sound team that you have, and it's a lot of close collaborators that you've worked with over the years. From your, you know, your Foley artist uh, Heike Kosi, and then your assist, 
um, Michael Nielsen and obviously Pete Horner. And there's like, I look at this core group of people that you've worked with, especially on generational wealth, but these are people that you've gone back to project after project, maybe kind of describe how you've created uh, this, because a lot of these guys are, they're not in the U.S., except for Pete, um, but most of them are, you know, based in, in around uh, your backyard. So how did you come about kind of finding and curating the sound team that you've continued to work with? I mean, it's been something that's been developing over the years, but it's kind of like you find a partner and a perfect kind of partner in crime that understands your language and mm-hmm. and where you really feel like you're in sync with each other, but you're also able to inspire each other constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, Heike Kossi, the Foley artist, is uh, based in Finland, mm-hmm. and I really, really love his work. I've been working with him for several years now, and I'm usually saying that I'm not mm-hmm. doing a film. I'm not doing a film if he's not doing it. Oh, nice. Uh, f- his, his, his approach to Foley is really how I love Foley. I mean, all the details and the personality and the way that he's able to create a character from the sounds of the character. I mean, mm-hmm. all the way from like a leather couch in Generation Wealth, where there's this German billionaire that is right. sitting on a leather couch and just the sound of the couch is just, it's a very small sound, but it just gives him so much personality. And that's a hikey thing. I mean, things yeah. like that, where you just create character through sound is is uh, something that Heike is unbelievable at. And then uh, f- some years ago, I met Mikkel Nilsson, uh, the sound effects recordist, who's also running like Sonic Salute, mm-hmm. uh, where he's recording lots of different sounds. And our collaboration has also just developed through the years. So Mikkel and me, uh, constantly like also talk about how to record sounds in interesting ways to you to record sounds with contact mics or mm-hmm. uh, with special microphones or uh, getting hold of like uh, different sounds from around the world because we're now we now know so many people from around the world. So yeah. there's this constant kind of inspiration going on. And then when I started working on a film, then uh, when I kind of have what's close to the final cut of the film, then I usually get the whole gang together and we sit in my studio and watch the film and just like talk about ideas. I mean, before that, I've then had a meeting or several meetings with the director and picture editor, so I know Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. But it's really great to bring the team together and then just like exchange ideas and someone is saying oh i recorded my dishwasher the other day it has a really nice sound for this (laughs) truck that passes by or things like that so just developing ideas and so in that sense i really love working with this team of people that i feel very close to and and we can i mean movie making is so much about collaboration Mm. i think that the the closer you collaborate the better film it becomes so that mm. i really really love like having a very close team where we can constantly like explore and exchange ideas and um that uh, that for me is very important 
And, and how do you then navigate uh, working on with different time zones? Because right now it's a little bit after 5.30 in the afternoon. And for me, it's 8.30 in the morning here in California. How do you navigate the time zone differences when you are collaborating with, with people who are based in the States? Like, Is there ever a difficulty with just the sheer difference of uh, being on the, the other side? It actually works very well with, uh, with people in the U.S. because then usually... Um, I do my work. I do usually like sketches of scenes or sequences, and then I, when I finish my working day, then I send a quick time to LA or wherever they're based, mm-hmm. and then they have all day to kind of look at it a few times, write down some notes and so on. And then when I get in the next morning, there's notes and ideas, and then <laughs> then I can do my work. I mean, yeah. so. We constantly just, like send things back and forth, so it's it works surprisingly well actually. And then when we're mixing, then it's important to be in the same room together because sure. you need to kind of be there and I mean to make decisions together. Um, but during the editing process, it often works quite well to kind of be thousand of miles apart. I mean, it doesn't yeah. feel like you're a thousand of miles apart. Then you have a Skype chat in the evening and talk about, okay, what did, I mean, how how did you like that idea? Or what do you think of this? And so on. So, I mean, we just communicate all the time. And mm. I mean, there's not that much of a difference from from Heike being in Finland and me, <laughs> me, me chatting with him on Messenger right. to like having a director that's sitting in LA. I mean, it's we're we're close and and in I mean we're in in uh, we're close in cyberspace. Yeah, well, I mean that's just the reality. Like if if someone is physically not going to be in the same room, which is very it's very unlikely unless they work in the same studio. You're gonna be down the hall. You're gonna be across town. So what's the difference if you're on the other side of the world? Like it's not substantially <laughs> different. You're still gonna be picking up the phone. We're talking on Skype right now, video chatting. I mean, I don't know. It seems as if you it's, were down. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah. It's exactly. It's kind of like that's our modern reality. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's definitely parts of the 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 whole social media that can be very. Mm-hmm. frustrating and annoying but there's also parts of it where where it brings people together in a way that yeah. I really love and I actually feel that very much in the film sound community mm-hmm. that we've been really good at embracing social media and yeah. suddenly like we're we're I mean there's this whole connection going on where we where we share ideas and advices for each other and and I mean I've loved that part of the sound community, like how mm-hmm. it's developing and how how it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It it matters which ideas you have and right. and what what you want to do. I, I think that actually, you're reminding me because I think the first time I heard your name was uh, through my um, relationship and, and work with Ann Krober, and I guess you and Ann had maybe met several years ago, and then she had mentioned to me, "Oh, do you know Peter?" He's, you know, based outside the U.S. He's doing some amazing projects. You really should check him out. And I just didn't really think of anything of it. And then talking with Pete Horner, uh, you know, a few years later, and I think you guys were working on, I, I'm not sure if it was Bill Nye or even before then. Uh, I mean, 
maybe Queen of Versailles. Maybe it's Queen of, yeah, yeah. it's just to me that that's the amazing aspect of this community. When you talk about the fact is like, yeah, I think even we've we were friends on Facebook before then, and like I was aware of your work, and it's probably I know just as much about what you're up to as any of my other friends or folks that I work, you know, <laughs> that are working here in the U.S. And I think it's just a great testament to the fact that we are on a very you know local uh, we're, we're able to work on an international level and continue to meet new people and i think like you're a great example of what's possible when it comes to just looking outside or asking more of of um, the possibility for work projects it's you know I, oh, i'm only going to work on projects that are here maybe in my town or in my country and that's not the case at all obviously with what you've shown it's just like you said if yeah, and then there's this amazing openness, which is also like, for me, like Anne and Kroper, for me, she's been like her work has been an immense inspiration for me, and yeah. she's done so many amazing movies and created so many amazing sounds, and this thing that it, you're a- actually able now to like reach out and have like create a collaboration together and work together and have this open dialogue with each other. I mean, I really love that part of the sound community. There's this kind of, we, a lot of us are very humble, are very mm-hmm. open. And um, I've, I wish there were, I mean, that that was all over the film business. I mean, this, this kind of, this kind of, uh, um, really like embracing each other and being i mean uh, this feeling of we're all in this together Mm. it's quite amazing and and it doesn't matter if you're like uh, a a multi-oscar winning sound designer from hollywood or if you're like a sound editor from copenhagen you you're you're equals in the sense that you're all working with sound and you're all trying to create something extraordinary with sound mm. um that's that's amazing I, I think too like in the past few projects when you have been working with pete you've had like i guess queen of versailles was mixed was it mixed in la or where did you mix it yeah we mixed that one in la and then uh, both bill nye and generation wealth was mixed at the ranch okay skywalker ranch what did you yeah. find like for you to i mean how, how how long of a trip would you be in town for when you come and mix your films here um all these mixes have been like uh, a little more than two weeks. Okay. Uh, and then on Generation Wealth, I was also in LA like a month before that for a week and a half or something to okay. go through some sound editing things and some music things with Jeff. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of, I mean, it's the 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 trips are kind of that size. Um, and and that works quite well i mean it's also amazing with technology how i mean i can do all my work over here and then i just bring a hard drive to <laughs> a mixing stage at skywalker and then it just opens and everything is good i mean yeah. that that the way that technology has developed in that sense is also really making all making collaborations like this work out mm-hmm. How did you and Pete Horner initially get connected? Well, how did that relationship start? Um, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of the film Tarnation, which is a documentary. And yeah. it's uh, 
um, it that was sound designed and mixed by Laura Hirschberg. Mm-hmm. So when I was gonna do Queen of the Sigh, I was thinking, okay, I need a US mixer that's really great and who also has a has my kind of like sensibility about mm-hmm. being creative with sound design in documentaries. So I reached out to Laura and she was like, I would love to do this, but I really don't have the time. So yeah. I recommend you talking to Pete. Yeah. And then I reached out to Pete and Pete had the time to do it. And I had never met Pete before. I I actually met Laura a couple of years before in San Francisco. And I mean, so we had we had met before, but I never met Pete before we mixed Queen of Versailles in LA. But we just really hit it off this this uh, mm. background in music and our kind of our temperaments and the creative approach to sound is is uh, something that really links us together. And we had so much fun working on Queen of Versailles, also just because it's a really fun movie. I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, quite it's, hilarious in a yeah. way. And and uh, yeah. and so so f- for me and Pete, then then that was the beginning of a very fruitful collaboration. And that's and that's a great point, just to to point out to the listeners, which is that a lot of times people think, oh, I I can never work with X person or at X studio because it's just gonna be, I'm gonna, it's gonna be too much money. There people are too busy. And the fact of the matter is, is that. Like anything, you have busy seasons and you have slow seasons. And during, especially now during the summer, all your summer films have come out maybe and potentially you're waiting for the holiday season to come back around or you're waiting for your film that's going to come out in the first of the, the following year and so you're not on a project. And it's a great opportunity to do exactly what you did, which is to reach out to someone like Pete Horner or Laura Hirschberg or any of these other folks who you know are working on incredibly large tentpole Hollywood films and say, hey, would you be interested in working on maybe even something like a documentary film? And uh, I think you'd be surprised that more often than not, people are just looking to collaborate and to work on interesting projects. And I would never tell anyone not to ever reach out to anybody because you, you never know what's going to potentially happen, what's going to come out of that relationship, just like it's happened for you. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, that's but there's also this development um, where like you... As a sound editor, like, I mean, also a lot of people at Skywalker, like, they go back and forth between, of course, there's some who only do the big tentpole movies, but there's also several sound people who go back and forth between doing, like, big blockbusters and then doing indie movies. And that's also something that Skywalker Ranch and Skywalker Sound is very much supporting. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, they, of course, they are doing these the big Star Wars films and the big Marvel movies, mm-hmm. but they're also doing these small indie projects. And that was something that was also really great about working on the ranch is that every film is respected. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this uh, uh, really like this feeling that we're all in this together again, sure. like this the, <laughs> and the, uh, and it doesn't matter what what the size of the budget is. I mean, that's not what's important here. The important is that the important thing is that we're creating something special together, and it doesn't matter what the budget is. Yeah. Have Have you found that working in documentary films has been challenging from a standpoint of how much budget you have access to? Is like what What's the reality of of being 
in that space, like, do you find that people are realistic about their sound budgets when they come to you with their projects? Um, in in documentaries, of course, the the budgets are more limited, and it's yeah. it can sometimes be hard. But it's also like um, I'm really privileged to work with directors who are into sound, and it's important for them that the sound that there's time for the sound to be done properly. Mm-hmm. And um, it, of course, that the budget are not the same as like a big fiction film, but I mean, the budgets are okay. You can still have, like, I usually on these documentaries, there's, like, um, the budget is, like, for seven, eight eight weeks of editing and Mm -hmm. then a couple of weeks uh, for, like, usually one week of pre-mixing and then a week of of of, uh, final mixing. Right. And, of of course, that's not the same as doing, like, a big feature uh, or a big blockbuster or anything, but... It's uh, it's still it's time enough to to do a, a good job and have a creative process and then if you as I do like really spread out the work so that I'm I'm usually doing some sound sketches while they're picture editing and that yeah. means that that I have the time to also make mistakes. I mean I think that some of the things that happens when you have a very tight deadline and a very short schedule then you make all the safe choices. I mean you want to make sure that you do a good job so you you but you don't have time to make mistakes mm. and what happens when you have more time even though it's like 8 weeks like spread out on like 4 or 5 months mm-hmm. then you have the time to kind of uh, maybe this wasn't the right thing, but there's that element that's amazing. Mm. And then you kind of take it from there. Um, so it's really also about structuring the the um, the structuring your schedule. So making sure that you have time to develop ideas and and time to get all the sounds that you need. And mm-hmm. I mean, so that I think it's uh, this whole way of like thinking about budgets is also a way of thinking about your workflow and thinking Mm. about like um how you use creativity Mm. in the best way what you know looking back on your own projects now and having the perspective of gosh i mean i I can just imagine that at a certain point i mean you have 100 (laughs) on your imdb page 184 credits that spans okay like, that's crazy for someone who hasn't looked at their imdb that that's just kind of what it's telling me right now but what can you say is maybe at this point in, in your career what has your takeaway been like what have you learned or what has kind of been your your guided post when it's come to kind of keeping you still very much engaged with the work that you do very much excited about working on more projects and continuing to just challenge yourself like what what's been kind of the most recent revelation for you i think it's really important to stay curious Mm. and uh, to keep on kind of investigating things i mean i can still sometimes get like when when i put a certain sound together with an a certain image and then see what happens yeah i mean for me it can still be like a revelation (laughs) it's like wow wow that's possible and that kind of, I mean, listening to sounds all the time and and just constantly trying to um, 
to to be ambitious i mean and yeah. uh, and and exploring things and for me this is i mean creating sounds for movies it's like an adventure i mean yeah. you create something magically that wasn't there before you put you take a sound that has one context and you put it together with an image that has another context mm. and you create something new um i mean that's it's magic yeah. and i think that if you really hold on to that kind of uh, creative energy and then at the same time i mean my big uh, uh, privilege is to work with a lot of filmmakers who as i said before are really focused on sound and really want to experiment with sound so mm. for me it's uh, i mean uh, a recommendation is also working with people who like really want to do something with the sonic storytelling in their movies i mean mm. it's uh, and who you feel good about like who you who who you feel like ah we can create something great together yeah. so that whole thing is just really important and for me that's something that's kept me going i mean uh, for some of the people i'm working with i mean we've we've known each other for so many years now and mm -hmm. it it feels like hanging out with my friends <laughs> but then but then amazingly on top of that getting paid to do sound for their movies yeah. and and that thing is just like uh, really really having uh, um an openness for for working with um, creative people that you like. That's great. I think that that in of itself is just a, a good point. The more you invest in yourself and the community and the people, it you'll start to realize that you have probably more friends and allies than you realize and, and collaborators at a certain point in your career where I just don't, I don't think there's any way that you cannot benefit from at least reaching out to more people and being a little more advantageous when it comes to thinking about, oh, well, I have access to people all around the world. So why not at least try to become, you know, a little more open to collaborate, you know, across yeah, countries exactly. and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also find out, okay, there's, there are people who like to work with, like, sound in a very creative way. And then those are the people you i mean those are the people i collaborate with and i mean no one here in denmark calls me if they're doing like a, a, a safe bet mainstream movie where it's just mu music and 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 some family fun i mean people yeah. are contacting me if they really want to work in a in a different creative way with sound and that means that that uh, um, I mean this thing about also being honest to yourself, like mm. as a as a sound person. I mean, trying to really for me, it's important that each film has my personality in it. Mm. I mean, I really spend a lot of time on like uh, there's there's I mean, I I like a certain style of sound, and it's not that. It can't be. I mean, it can be very different from film to film, but still, this the 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 way I work with like dynamics and details and trying to create a, like a s certain sonic identity for each film. It's something that I do for every movie, and I find it's 
immensely important. And mm. that then, I mean, inspires other people to like, then they hear your work and then they they contact you about this. So mm. um, I, I've, I've, I think it's important that, that if, for collaborations also just to be honest about what you do, like really be, uh, be, uh, find your, find your own special fingerprint and then work with that. And, uh, yeah. for me, for me, some of the greatest sound designers that I, I mean, which, who I, I, who I have been so inspired by, like Walter Murch and Ben Bird and like Alan Split and mm-hmm. all these different people. Like when you hear the movies that they made, you can just feel how much of themselves they put into it. Mm. And it's so rewarding. I mean, um, the, this 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 personality that you feel in in uh, in great sound. I, it, I'm just looking here at the uh, the release date because you mentioned that Gener- Generation Wealth came out, or originally premiered at Sundance this year. Um, it's coming out July 20th, uh, just here in a few days. Um, and it's being released by Amazon Studios, and it's going to have a fantastic theatrical run. Um, I just, I think, for people who are interested in very interesting subjects, obviously, Lauren Greenfield's been, you know, this is a few collaborations, and with Jeff Beale, the composer, and Pete Horner, your mixer, and your Foley artist is Heike, and everyone, everyone else. It just, I think, it's exciting to to see everybody continue to collaborate, to see everyone continue to rise. Um, to the occasion to put together, you know, new projects. And it's these, these are like relationships, which I imagine are, are going to continue to play off for you. Like for you, you mentioned, um, you know, getting in contact with people. What's the easiest way for people to get in contact with you? Well, the the world is open now. So now like where I'm, I'm on different platforms as well, <laughs> like social media and all that like facebook and twitter and so on yeah um and i really like how now it's so easy to get in touch with each other like also all these like sound design forums on facebook where you can exchange sounds and so on and then you meet new people and um and uh, then when i have the f- uh, when i'm fortunate enough to like go to the us for example then suddenly you can meet up with with the people that you've been like yeah. uh, in i mean going from cyberspace to real real life <laughs> uh, that's also a nice development you know <laughs> yeah that's awesome uh, well, yeah peter thank you so much for taking the time to chat it's been it's been great i mean like i said we've known of each other we've probably talked to each other on social media over the years and uh, probably, I think we've seen each other maybe once in the last year. I think it was maybe at the MPSC Awards or one of, one of the other award shows. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. That yeah, was really and, nice. Uh, yeah, and, and now it's great to finally have a chance to to sit down uh, and and chat in in a way. But this and, is also something that I feel is so amazing now is that there's like things like Soundworks Collection and there's mm-hmm. I mean there's 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 a, a different focus now on sound than that there was like 10 years ago. Uh, mm. 10 years ago, like it was much more like hidden what we were actually sure. doing. And, and now there's much more focus on it. And it and th- I think that also changes also a little bit the whole business, actually. I mean, mm. people start to respect sound more and uh, 
we uh, our, our work really makes a difference and more yeah. pe- more and more people are aware of that yeah i, th- I think that's a re- really good point in terms of uh, just people's perception of sharing and the openness and the opportunity to connect to other people like-minded folks you, i mean especially on the internet it's easy it's not that hard to find a handful of sound designers especially when it comes to facebook groups or any any of the these other websites and the social platforms i think you know if for a listener if you are interested and you feel like oh i'm i only know the people that are in my studio or in my community or you know my backyard just I think you can definitely spend a little time online and connect with a lot of people. And before you'll know it, you'll be sharing tips and tricks and sounds and conversations like we're having today. So thank you again for just having a little chat, even though you're in the opposite side of the world, which I I, I love. So thank (laughs) Thank you you so much, Michael. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for tuning into my chat with Peter Albertson. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com. We also recently added an Instagram page, so go ahead and check that out. And stay tuned. We have more updates from the site. We're going to be doing more podcasts, more videos. We took a little hiatus. We had a lot of content that came out around this past Oscar season. So definitely go back and you can re-listen to all the nominees and Oscar winners. And if you ever have a project that you want to feature on the website, please email us at info at soundworkscollection.com. Talk to you guys soon.